Neon Show. It's Max, and I'm with Perry Fister. Thanks for joining. Thank you, Max. Uh, so, yeah, Perry, uh, you. Uh, a lot of people ask the same question. Uh, I always kick it over to, um, pretty much, why neon? You know, where did that kind of, um, you know, course uh, kind of come up, and uh, what was it? What was the kind of introduction to to this glass form? Yeah, um, I've always been really into lettering. Um, kind of obsessed for a long time. Um, my mom was a graphic designer and so I was just always kind of around like um, the scratch on letters and like um, her drafting tools and stuff. And so, yeah, that kind of transferred into like an interest in graffiti in my teenage years. And then, um, yeah, like after that, I was still working with a bunch of font-based artwork and and you know just words that i was hand painting and stuff like that um so i had a studio for a screen printing business that i had in downtown portland and i would have to bike down interstate avenue in portland and interstate has like a lot of the the big like monument signs um old neon signs um from i'm guessing like the 50s and 60s and um one of them is uh, a sign called the palms uh, a hotel called the palms and um it's like a giant palm tree with like really beautiful letters and a monkey hanging off of it and lots of colors and definitely like one of the coolest signs in portland and then another one is one called the alibi and um when i would ride my bike past them i was thinking about how that's like the epitome of of lettering um is when it's in neon and it can be seen from far away and it's you know the most outstanding lettering is going to be and um so I wanted to figure out how to do it, and I found a workshop down in Oakland um, at Peterson Neon uh, with a woman named Shauna Peterson, and um, I went to go take the workshop and told Shauna that I was interested in possibly entering the field, and so um, she told me to stick around in the week in between the two workshops and um, just work in her shop and see how I liked it. So I did that, and um, after the second weekend, and having made a couple of projects in that week in between, um, she told me that I um, should stick with it, that my qualities were, um, that I was a natural to it, and nobody had ever told me that about anything. So I took that to heart, and um, yeah, I just started collecting equipment on my own when I came back to Portland, and that was about seven years ago. Um, i trying to think, yeah about seven years ago. And um, yeah, then Shauna eventually invited me to be her apprentice and I would go back to work in her shop um, multiple times a year and just be able to call her if I had any questions and she kind of helped me collect my own equipment. And um, so yeah, I owe pretty much everything to Shauna. Um, she's definitely the person who ushered me into the field and has taught me everything that I know. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I mean, a uh, great sort of introduction into Neon because, you know, as you know, she's been bending since the 80s. And, uh, you know, somebody, I think a lot of other Neon artists that are interested in this, it's sort of like, you know, the the type of skill and design work you, you kind of need to get your feet wet. You know, obviously you need to do something a little bit more serious if you really take it to the next level. But working in a, a sort of nationwide sign company and uh, just, you know, her work in you know, numerous places, you know, in the Bay Area, San Francisco, you know, she's currently been bending for you know, a lot of big projects and uh it's just a good example i think of 
you know, uh, how, how another neon artist is able to sort of transform, uh, you know, into uh, kind of like a catalyst for, for someone else who wants to go out there and bend their own sculptures and incorporate, you know, some of these fragments into their own artwork. I think that it's a, a really great story and, and obviously just, you know, it's a nice takeaway from, uh, from that moment on. Had you kind of, you know, when you had you know, obviously gone to Portland, you've seen some of these signs, the whole purpose of saying something uh, and neon is, is really unmistakable. How, how has it really kind of challenged you in certain ways where you know, obviously you see something that you like and you go and kind of try and make it and, you know, it's always difficult to probably interpret those things along the way, but is there anything that you're working on now that you, you're kind of look back on and say, wow, I could never have done that, you know, maybe just a year ago. You know, I, I think that I've gotten better for sure, but even at the beginning, I was taking on things that were at more of a level of detail and things that were out of my reach um, than I should have been reaching for at that point. Uh, it was just kind of ignorance and not really um, knowing what I was getting myself into. But um, I like kind of have this obsessive quality where um, if something doesn't look right, I'll just redo it. And so from the beginning, I've just kind of done that and I have to redo less now, but, um, you know, I think that all along the way I've kind of been shooting for a certain level of detail that maybe if I had come up in a sign shop, people would have told me that it was, um, impractical or, or dumb to try to kind of shoot for, for some of that. Um, but I always kind of seem to make it work. And then I think some of that detail might end up standing, standing out, um, with my work across the board. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely stuff that I'm doing now that I think would have been harder before. But um, when I look back, I'm always a little bit impressed that I, I pulled some of that stuff off even early on. Holy, I think so too. And you know, it's kind of like a good lesson to, to be sort of, um, and don't be so sure of yourself is just kind of put yourself in a position to, to fail. Cause it sounds weird, but as that sort of, as you cross that line, you know, you don't want to do something that's going to obviously take you back. Um, but it's kind of like that realization, that interesting part where you're like, if I don't, if I don't learn how to do this kind of the awful way, then how can I accept it to kind of get to where I need to be to develop that, uh, confidence outside of where you normally make those mistakes. You know, if you follow that kind of that itch to, 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 you know, not only just kind of fall flat, but really, you know, where you're going, I think it's, it's, I think it's pretty visionary on your part to kind of just pull yourself together. Um, and kind of just accept that moment in time where you're like, you know, this might not go exactly as I plan it, but I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to continue to pursue it. I think that actually neon has a lot uh, of those moments, you know, where people just kind of, you either can accept that or, or just will, you know, push you that in direction, you know, you have no choice sometimes. I think. Yeah. It's been an interesting cycle in that regard with both patience and confidence. Um, like, I don't think that I used to be a very patient person before I started to work with glass, um, like specifically with neon. I don't work with other types of glass, but um, yeah, like I have learned patience from, from working on this stuff, you know, like for something to crack after you make it, like you don't, it doesn't make a lot of sense to get mad or to curse or, or, you know, be put out by that. It's just kind of the nature of you, learning how to have a relationship with glass. And um, so 
I got really good about just starting over as soon as something broke and, um, and not getting too perturbed about anything. And, um, and it's just taught me a lot about patience to where I could kind of apply that to other parts of my life and take a little bit more time if, if I wasn't at the place that I wanted to be at with another practice like music or, or something. Um, yeah, it just, it taught me a lot about patience and then like, it was a slow build of confidence too. And, and, and both of those things kind of seemed to work hand in hand. And, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's taught me a lot about bigger qualities of life that have been really easy to apply to pretty much every other part of life. Yeah, definitely. And now, um, you know, when you see yourself kind of, uh, take on, you know, where, where you kind of are building up some ideas, you know, do you pull inspiration from, like your background as a musician, are you kind of thinking about, you know, the, the, you know, maybe a particular client that has uh, an idea in mind, you know, how do you kind of, uh, you know, how much of yourself are are you kind of pulling in on some of these projects or at least maybe some, some neon work that you're doing now? Yeah. I mean, music seems to have taught me a whole lot about collaboration and, you know, when somebody comes to you with an idea, not really thinking that, you have a better idea from the get-go, you know, being able to just hear other people's ideas and try to kind of form around that and support that. Um, like I play upright bass. And so a lot of my role is like, you know, rhythmic support and um, some tonal support as well. But like, um, yeah, you know, I'm just like trying to accentuate people's ideas. And, and so music um, help, help with that a lot. Um, but yeah trying to make sure I don't lose track of your question there. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, but I think that I've always been really strong visually. Like it's something that comes really naturally to me as far as having, you know, what I feel to be like solid aesthetic opinions. And, and um, so I think that, that some of that like preexisting confidence with, with um, visual stuff um, has, al- has always helped out with, with, um, you know, knowing what to do with neon and knowing how to, to add that to a project or, you know, when to take it away. And so, um, so yeah, I, I think the visual stuff's always come really naturally to me. Mm-hmm. And the, your name is tiny spoon. Is there like uh, some sort of reference? Or like, cause I'm curious that it's a, a, a unique name. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a funny one to explain cause it's kind of like a deep story, but, um, yeah. We'll, take the, we'll take the short version. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I got the short version. I'll, I'll try to, <laughs> to make it as easy as possible. But um, essentially, like, I would go to a cafe um, and get, like, a demi-tasse spoon with a, a coffee drink. And um, for some reason, it always made me really happy. And I, I couldn't totally figure out why. When I spent a little time figuring it out, I realized that um, manipulating a small tool like a spoon um, requires that you use these really powerful tools that you have, like your hands are super powerful. Like you could break the spoon, bend the spoon. Um, but you're using all of that power to manipulate really small little detailed movements. And it's the exact same feeling as like when you're holding a paintbrush or a pencil or a pen. And, um, and it really, really translates to neon as well when the, the glass is molten and you have to have this super delicate touch um, to not just have it, freak out and, and get all messed up um so it's about that that kind of delicate touch and suppressed power and um 
yeah, that the tiny spoon just seemed to be like a really direct um, symbol for me. And um, yeah, when I figured it out, I got some tattoos of it and named my business that. And then it kind of stuck. And um, yeah, it's always a funny thing to have to explain, but it's it's just an important symbol in my life. Yeah, no, it's a good story. I think, you know, where you kind of, where I think where you kind of think about things differently, they usually come up with really good ideas. So, you know, coffee hour is usually a good place to kind of start when you get, you know, down the line of kind of thinking about it, where you displacement is kind of a weird thing to think of. Like when, when people keep saying, you know, where neon is going and it's kind of making this comeback versus it's just always been there. Like I think Portland has always had really great neon. Have you, I mean, I, I don't see that kind of transition as some people think of it. I think it's just always been there. And then when you tell people about neon and they see it more, do you ever hear people say that? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest reactions I get is, you know, now that I know you and see your work, like I see neon everywhere and I see how intricate it is and I can appreciate it more. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that neon is definitely in the forefront of like, you know, like even digital marketing right now. If you look at any like sports network, all their marketing looks like fake neon and like, you know, neon as a actual medium is, is definitely very present in, in, um, you know, retail life and, uh, all over, you know, the internet and, uh, and a lot in art now. Um, but yeah, I think that there's probably like a little bump in what's going on right now, as far as like, there's more to see, there's more access to see it like, um, via your phone. Um, but yeah, I think people are looking for it now and, and definitely want to, you know, see as much of it as possible it gives them a feeling in a certain space and especially in a city that you see a whole lot of it in and you know makes you feel like you're in in a city and my hope is always that like the neon signs stick around so that people have like landmarks that are consistent in their experience with the place and um yeah like that's kind of always my hope is just that like the neon actually becomes a part of the place instead of just like these individual little quotes that you kind of see on on instagram or something like that yeah, I agree. I think that the landmark piece is kind of like very noteworthy, especially nowadays, because we have, I mean, with the advent of phones and everything, you kind of sit back and let the computer tell you where to go. But, you know, there are times when, you know, I think about certain places, um, like in Boston, the Sitco sign, which really kind of deliver like a home run as to where you are in the city. Like when you are just so like out of your, <laughs> realm of knowing where you're at and not that that happens all the time but you know there are good cues is like you could point to that and say like you know maybe there's like a tourist and say oh you know just follow you know such and such sign and, and make a left you know whatever uh you know as we pursue these kind of grandiose ideas about what neon can be i think there's a very kind of um elemental like kind of uh attractiveness to them you know they kind of hold their weight and then they're also able to kind of direct you towards uh, I don't know, like a buying purchase or, uh, you know, like a, a, you know, like a motivation to go and do something. Uh, and I think that's why you might think of them as like uh, tools for communication, but they are also kind of like, uh, maybe they're like the first GPS. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, there's kind of a uniqueness about them. And I don't think I ever heard anybody say that. So I really like what you kind of pulled out of that, but uh, yeah, is there... I, I went to school for, for landscape architecture and it definitely like made me kind of analyze my setting a little bit differently and like um 
Portland has been changing a whole lot over the past bunch of years and a lot of like buildings and signs have gone away and and I've kind of noticed firsthand what it actually feels like to feel disoriented from a sign going away or from a building going away and so it's um yeah it just feels like it's one of those subtly important things that people might not actually be thinking about but if that sign disappeared that they had seen their whole childhood they would realize that something was missing you know right uh, is there anything that you, in the pursuit of making more neon, that's been helpful in your career? A lot of our listeners are either artists or fans, even fans of neon. But you know, it could be like a tool or a resource, or you know, maybe just something that you have come to realize. Uh, would you mind repeating that one more time? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. In terms of like your pursuit of making more neon, it really could be, you know, just something like a like a tool or like a you know maybe something that you come into contact with that's helped you in your career. You know, was it like a certain person or maybe like a, an event that took place that kind of has helped kind of get you to the next level in terms of your neon production and what you got, what you're doing right now? Yeah. I mean, the initial boost of having Shauna like believe in me was like totally something that set me on track. Um, each project that I've done has like gotten a, a lot of positive responses and that is always like a boost just to like see how your work affects people in general. And then um, I got to work with like my favorite artists since I was 15 years old, um, an artist named Barry McGee um, on a project that was commemorating a graffiti writer who died in 1998, um, Ty, who also wrote CO. So we did a, a CO piece as a commemoration to him. And um, that whole project and like getting to work with Barry was just like a real big deal for me and, and definitely let me feel like I had arrived somewhere you know where I was getting to interact with and work with um, an artist who I had such a an high amount of homage for and um, yeah so that was a big one and then I just did like a solo art show in Japan um, last October and that was another like big boost as far as like um, yeah me feeling like neon had had brought my life to like a really amazing place and that I could appreciate like the full scope of what neon was actually um, doing for my life. Right. And then, you know, are there any kind of like goals that you're after right now that you haven't hit, but you're kind of like dreaming of that, you, you know, you want to go after? Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of always like slowly pecking away at the, like just getting to do my own artwork um, in neon. Um, yeah. Like I like, not having to totally depend on that and not totally being hungry for, you know, attracting galleries attention and stuff like that. But I think ultimately, like I have enough ideas on my own that it would be cool to, to do more of my own work and more of my own designs. Like I get to do a lot of my own designs already and I get to do some of my own artwork and I really enjoy doing like the custom work for businesses and residential and other artists. Like it's, it's all very cool to me. Um, but yeah, I would probably like to just be um, coming to work and making my own ideas and, and, you know, living with that feeling. Cause it's like a very rewarding feeling to, to finish something that is like completely your own concept and it's something that you just want to make. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, artists on, on Instagram and stuff that we communicate with and that are, you know, forced me to realize that throughout all the fears of, of trying to do this work and, and just maintain it, that ironically the most incredible thing that you can do is just as a result is just share with people. And I think, 
you know, neon makes a lot of amazing opportunities for that. You know, like a lot of things, it's kind of boring to share your computer screen, but, uh, you know, like when you really get done with something like that, that lights up and, you know, you're holding it up to other people and they're kind of like mesmerized by it and you start talking about how it works. And then, you know, by the grace of God, someone else opens their mouth and now wants to buy it. I mean, you know, it's hard to, uh, you know, continue uh, kind of looking at other things without kind of, you know, developing that. And it's kind of like an itch you have to scratch, but, Something that I think that, you know, a lot of other artists fear is that, you know, how do I maintain making this type of work where it's just, you know, very time consuming and fragile. Have you ever gotten into like the nature of like not listening to that voice and just kind of go what your, your kind of pulse says and what, you know, never forget that you're kind of like, you know, you can, you can silently go off and do this on your own on your free time. Is that easy to do? Or do you just kind of have to keep the lights on and plugging away and like, I mean, I'm sure that's obviously, you know, something that's on your mind as well. No, I'm, I'm an extremely um, distracted person. Um, <laughs> I, I do really well with having a lot of different things going on at once. And so, um, you know, I enjoy working on like a custom piece for a business, but also having a layout sitting behind me that, at the end of the day I can throw on the table and work on for a little while or that I work on on a Saturday and I'm just kind of looking at the whole rest of the week. And so, um, so yeah, it's not, it's not hard for me to, to peel away, um, for like these small little segments. Um, it's more like carving out like a month or two months to try to focus on making a body of work. I think that ultimately would be a really cool thing to be able to do at least once a year. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's just kind of like mixing in fun work with like the the other paid work that I'm doing. And um, it just keeps it interesting for me where I'm always kind of like looking over my shoulder for what I'm going to like start to chip away at next. You know? Right. Totally. And I think, you know, how, um, when you get, you know, with other people in terms of, you know, the communication behind what you're making, uh, do you invite other people? Cause you have a, a pretty cool studio. I think, you know, anything that you kind of thought of, you know, kind of you, just, you show the end product and when, when all said and done, you just kind of deliver it that way or have you, you know, go and meet over multiple times, you know, how does that process work for you? Are you kind of easily adapting that to what you're doing or is it just change? Um, I, I'm trying to uh, understand the question a little bit better. Is that just as far as like clients, meeting up at the studio or like um, um yeah yeah pretty much i mean it, it seems like some other artists they invite they kind of like open their doors when it comes to the pursuit of like making you know because everyone kind of finds it challenging sometimes to really understand the value of how a sign's made and like breaking yeah. down you know what i mean like versus the comeback where you're like aha it's not led it's this and then you get in that whole argument you know right when, is it kind of something that you're able to do on the fly or do people just get it in Portland? I mean, I don't know how it is for certain places, but just curious. No, I mean, I, I think very few people just get it um, unless they've, you know, seen it firsthand before, or like watch a video about it or something like that, or taken a workshop. Um, it's, it's always seems like people need to have the process filled in a little bit and, um, and it's really fun actually to have people over um, to the studio and, and just show them each step from, you know, the straight tubes to the pattern and the electrodes and the manifold and, you know, just which each part of this process is like. And, and um, I can tell at the end, not everybody can like totally put all the pieces together, but they have a little bit more of a grasp for like 
what goes into making a neon sign, like why it's so labor intensive, why it's such a skilled labor, and also like why it's so expensive. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think the you know obviously the manufacturing process, people realize that you know there are parts involved, um, but for the most part, you know the labor part is really I think interesting. It's just it's not really advertised. Usually, people just um, kind of focus on like the you know, flick of the switch type thing, which is always like the big payout, right? When everybody goes, ooh, and they kind of like, you know, how did you do this? Um, but, you know, like developing, uh, you know, kind of let offer as a service, you know, but then kind of showing kind of what goes into the making of these things is, I think, a really good way to like brand and identify yourself as like a real sign maker. Could probably be the single action that you could take to really advertise your business and give other people kind of that powerful word of mouth thing, you know? Yeah, totally. And I also, you know, get a lot of requests from people who want to like apprentice or learn. And I don't really like have a lot of time or space in my studio to like take on an apprentice. But like, I just always invite people to come over to my studio and like, try it and see, you know, if they like it. And I'm always just sort of waiting for somebody to be like as obsessive as me and be like, can I come back? Can I come back tomorrow? And, you know, bother me about it. But for the most part, people try it and they're like, oh, that's cool. That's hard. And don't call me back. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's good for both clients and like for people who are, are interested in, in possibly getting into it. Yeah. Well, I think that the, the climate has obviously changed, I think, from kind of where you have to pull people in. You know, people have like so many daily, you know issues with doing you know kind of extra work i think that you know if you you tune into the right people and you know you make that kind of interesting content that helps drive those conversations i think um more people will be willing to kind of give you at least more information about maybe why they would you know turn away but i think a lot of artists uh that i've had on the show have either established those uh relationships and even had conversations with uh you know certain artists that said they that people come back and they, they like take this course every year because for them it's like you know an escape like they they kind of feel like they're getting uh, a renewed sense of of you know of themselves when they come back to the course and kind of take it again or or even existing artists too which i find um pretty interesting so yeah yeah no doubt i mean i like taking shauna's class um you know years ago i could easily see why somebody would want to like you know, repeat, like do that a couple of times and not necessarily have to become like a full on neon vendor and have your own shop and have everything, but just to come in and make a single piece every once in a while is actually like a, a really fun thing. And, you know, has all the same benefits of being able to put it on your wall and be like, I made that and, and how good that all feels. You know? Yeah. And are there other artists that you've been able to, uh, you know, connect with in Portland? Um, I mean, I've always been really connected to other artists here. Um, as far as neon, um, no, not at all. Um, there's like a few artists who work with a little bit of neon. And um, I just did some pieces for uh, my friend Ivan Salcido. Um, he did a, a really cool project um, where he had an old image of his grandmother playing basketball in the fifties. She was on a team in Juarez, Mexico, and he blew it up and made a big basketball card and designed the whole basketball card. And then I made the neon, um, her signature in neon for the, the face of the card. And that was a really cool project. And 
you know, that's like an example of getting to work with an artist who, who utilizes neon, but um, yeah, I, I haven't really made too many connections with, um, with other neon makers in, in this area. Um, most of my friends in that realm are, are more in the Bay area. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. I only say that because, uh, you know, it always helps to have that, um, that network. And I would assume that anyone listening to this would, you know, be sure to jump out at you, you know, and, and, you know, hear from this show, put links in the show notes to kind of find you in case, you know, if there's anybody related to the uh, area who wants to uh, make themselves known, uh, you know, I'm sure uh, you'd be interested. Yeah. So that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, anything that you're working on now that you want to promote or just let our listeners know? Let's see. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping to plan another art show uh, for the beginning of the year. So that would be something that um, if I had a more solid date, I could give everybody. Um, it'd be fun to promote that, but um, might just look out for next time I get to do a, a solo art show, um, probably in like January or February. And um, yeah, I'm working on another piece with Barry McGee right now, and I'm super excited about that. And so it'll be fun to get to show that off when it's finally out in the world yeah oh actually you know i one more question um you did uh had some of your work in in tokyo at the end of 2018 and uh, i was just going to ask you know what's your impression of neon uh you know what do you take away from from that um as far as like the neon in japan oh yeah that in general um but yeah just your just your general impressions you can really you know get it, go anywhere with that question yeah well i mean several several points on that i mean first of all um the japanese audience was so receptive and so nice and like um i had like a 10 hour art opening um where i just sat in this space and and received people all day and it was kind of a lot better than having like a two or three hour art opening where you got to talk to you know a bunch of people all at once um it was real spaced out i got to have lengthy conversations with people and just hearing what neon meant to them and um, the connections they were making with, with my specific work, with the concepts in that, in that work, um, that was super meaningful. And um, it was just really awesome to interact with, with the Japanese audience and they're a, a culture that really appreciates when you bring something to Japan that, you know, you're bringing from your culture and sharing with them. And um, I felt a lot of gratitude around that. Um, and then uh, a few of the other neon vendors there um, actually came out to the show and were super, super sweet. And um, it was just so fun to interact with them and talk a little bit of shop and um, just, yeah, it was so exciting to meet the other vendors and have contacts with them and their shops um, in Japan. So um, yeah, it was it was a great culture. Um, I mean, Tokyo has a little bit of of old neon leftover, and there's like little bits of it around. But I think Tokyo, kind of like New York, like moved so quickly that um, they probably got rid of a lot of neon along the way. But um, there's still there's still a fair amount there, and there's still a lot of new neon being made there. So um, yeah, they're they're really excited, and and I was really excited to see the differences in their fabrication techniques and and talk to them about that. Um, so yeah, Japan is an awesome place for neon and an awesome place to bring, um, any, anything art or music to. Yeah, I think so too. I think, um, 
you know, kind of just the appreciation of what goes on there. Like you had mentioned, there's kind of like a, you know, a real tradition uh, going back pretty, you know, pretty far. Uh, I think a lot of other artists too have mentioned that, you know, just the, this, the impact and the, and the scale at which the city kind of represents itself as neon has always kind of uh, made itself well known for many reasons. Obviously it's very uh, Instagramable and you look at it now and you kind of wonder, okay, how is it kind of going to continue through this technological sort of reinventing of itself? But it's maintained a lot of its neon for better or for worse. I think there's been, you know, I think obviously we'll say for the better, but I mean, there's still like a strong impact of colorful lights and, uh, you know, that still translates into a lot of what they do uh, in terms of like city planning and uh, just like, pop culture and all that you can still see its effect uh today you know from all that neon yeah i mean as focus on like modernity and like you know the newest things and using leds and a lot of stuff goes like yeah they're they're focused on that but i think on a deeper level uh deeper in the tradition like they're very interested in things that are handmade and in craftspeople and so it's it's really cool to see them honor people who are are making really awesome things by hand and there's this big relationship between Portland and Japan right now and and when I kind of had to pick it apart I could see that it, a lot of it is just based on really intentional handmade goods coming out of Portland and an appreciation for handmade culture from the Japanese culture and so um, yeah it's like it's it's a modern place and it's you know doing all these these fresh things with technology but like is so invested and um, honors like older crafts and people who maintain those crafts I agree I think so too um cool uh yeah so kind of wrapping things up we, wherever can uh, you find your work you know you're on instagram right your handle is yeah it's the tiny spoon uh with underscores in between the words and um yeah that's where you see all the current stuff uh i update it way more frequently than my website but um but yeah i'd say the instagram is kind of the main the main place to check it out cool uh well perry thanks for being on the show uh appreciate it and all the best yeah thank you so much max i appreciate the opportunity hey guys hope you enjoyed that show if you haven't done so please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice we have a lot of great neon guests coming up and as always thanks for listening